0: This is the Ra podcast, and we got to talk about heavyweight fight this weekend, massive fight, massive event of Usyk versus Joshua, number two, in a fight that people felt, um, you know, Joshua really needed to win, uh, really needed to come back and have a great performance to hold his credibility at the heavyweight division. No, I, I thought he fought very well. I honestly think his stock went up from this fight. He didn't win this fight. We know that, but I think his stock went up. I thought he, I thought he showed his skill, showed his ability as a fighter, and he'd be a, a problem for a lot of guys. Like To me, uh, it it didn't eliminate him as like a guy that could possibly beat Fury or didn't eliminate a guy that could possibly beat Wilder. I think he would beat those guys because those are very tough fights, and I could easily make an argument for those guys beating him. But... It just showed me that this guy does have skill. He does have ability and he is humongous and hits very hard. I see all those things. But when you're fighting Usyk, it it might just be like, honestly, the worst matchup for him. And I explained this in previous podcasts before. Is when you have, uh it happens in the NBA, happens in the NFL. NBA, like I said, it's always a. There was the big man. You go to the post, go to the post, go to the post, go to the post, want to score inside, get dunks, get baskets inside, right? Get fouls, everything. Then you got a guy like Steph Curry comes, right? Right. And then the team like the Warriors and a team that gets behind that mentality is like, no, actually, we're going to open the floor. We're going to take threes. And actually, three percentage taking threes is a good percentage for amount of points it gives you. And just like the number factor and the percentages of like likelihood of hitting shots and the number of shots you can actually get off that are wide open and what it does to the spread of the floor, all these things. Someone saw that and said, this is the complete opposite mentality what everyone else has. We're going to bring that to the game. And when they did that, it changed everything. And they were the team that filled the void that. Could beat all the teams with the big uh, with the big man on it, right? They, they could play small. They could uh, they could pull them out. The big man has to guard and come out to three point line. So now the big man is almost useless on defense, right? He's almost useless on defense. So now it forces all these teams who were built a certain way are now almost useless and have to change the way they think and the the strategy they have. Well, we were entering a, a the era of the big man, right? You had guys like Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Wilder, who you know. Is tall, of course, doesn't weigh that as much as the big guys, but he has one of the hardest shots you will ever see in boxing. Right, he has the hardest punches you ever see in boxing. So it was the era of big man, of big power, and we were no longer gonna. It felt like we we're no longer gonna have the evanders. Right, the heavyweights are from two twenty and down. We weren't gonna have those anymore, unless you get hit like Deontay Wilder. Then Usyk came, and people were high on Usyk as far as like a boxer and his ability. But when he him fight Shizora, they weren't really buying into him being effective at heavyweight and beating one of the big men. And when he fought Joshua, everybody was just like, he's gonna get knocked out cold. He's gonna last a few rounds and then Joshua's gonna hit him and it's gonna be over. And it's gonna be a massive knockout. So a lot of people had it. But I always knew that there was gonna be a guy to come, and I didn't know it wasn't necessarily I didn't necessarily predict there'd be Usyk, but I just knew that there'd be a guy to come that's gonna be a smaller heavyweight that can move around and he's gonna do everything that. Is against basically what's is succeeding right now. And it is Usyk. That is what he is, right? He's fills a void that was missing because of where everybody else is having success. And Joshua, like I said, he made adjustments. Um, there were still things that I, I didn't I thought that he needed to change for the first fight. They still kind of did this one. But he, he was able to kind of like keep up with Usyk early, right? As far as the boxing, right? That's what I'm saying. He was able to show his skill that he, he could kind of keep up with him with the boxing early. But as the fight went on, what the energy that it was taking him to do that, and he is a big man, and he kind of said that after the fight, you know, like I'm big, I can't, I can't go full 12 rounds at that pace in that kind of fight, and he can't. And that, that's kind of like what Usyk was just kind of like waiting on in a way. He was boxing him, making him, making him honest, keeping him honest, but joshua was thinking faster than he was ever thought he was moving faster than he had to fast he had to react a lot faster he had a he was in a fight but that energy was burning because he's not used to fighting in that in that way in that manner and at that level you find an elite fighter like that like Usyk, right and to keep up with him you're burning a lot and he's not used to fighting like that he's used to fighting kind of like that in spurts but then being able to you know take time off because he's fighting bigger men bigger heavyweights right not as elusive as Usyk, not as quick a foot as Usyk, not as a uh, guy that's going to keep you honest 100% of the time. We're fighting other guys, the heavyweights, you know, they take breaks, there's uh, you know, there's points where you can rest, there's points where you can reset and get your mind right. Now with Usyk, it wasn't that, it really wasn't that in this fight, he was constantly having to think, constantly have to react, constantly have to strategize to be successful, and he was able to do it early. But then his energy just dipped, and he, and it was it's funny because when he hurt Usyk to the body, and he did hurt Usyk to the body, and he was a really bad round for Usyk, I thought he was very selective. I didn't really think he went all out for it, the, for the uh, knockout or the stoppage. And I was thinking, okay, he he was selective because he was didn't want to take the chance of going for it and not getting it and then just being gassed the next round. He was selective, and it still took everything out of him. He still did not have the energy. After that round, it was basically south for him after that. That was his opportunity to get the stoppage in the fight, and that was – he had boxed up until that point to get to that opportunity – and he couldn't seal the deal. And from that point on, Usyk really took control of the fight. Joshua could not keep up. He was no longer being able, his technique was no longer being able to keep up with Usyk. There's a thing when you fight a guy at a certain level, this happens in the gym a lot. Um, a guy who's a certain level gets in with a guy that's a lot higher and he keeps up for him like two rounds. Two rounds is keeping up with him. But it's taking everything for the lower level guy to keep up for that long. It's taking everything. I'm talking mental exhaustion, I'm talking about physical exhaustion. Is taking everything from him to keep up with that pace. Now, the guy that's the high level, he's just working. This is what he's the normal speed he's used to being at. It's almost like if he's running a marathon, this is like his normal pace. This guy is sprinting. The other guy that's lesser to keep up with the skill level is sprinting. Joshua was sprinting the first few rounds, like uh, tactically, even if you don't think he was that active or you don't think that, uh, you know, he wasn't like a high punch rate just to keep up and stay in position and not in the, the strategic things that were happening and the, the sudden footstep and moving back and then moving forward and all those things, he was sprinting and Usyk wasn't sprinting. Usyk was at his temple. who was at his speed. He was at his pace. And he kept that in the second half of the fight and Joshua just dipped and it was just done and he could not keep up. And it was just the way I predicted that Usyk Joshua would show things. He would show new things. He would uh, have some success but Usyk would take the second half of the fight, and that's what happened. He takes the second half of the fight. He outboxes uh, Joshua, starts to put it on Joshua a little bit, and Joshua just did not have what he needed uh, to keep up with that pace. He was never going to do it. it was one chance is when he hurt Usyk to the body, kind of needed to get him out of there. And I thought maybe he was being selective, but maybe he wasn't being selective. Maybe he just didn't have the energy to move faster than what he was doing or the pace he was putting it on Usyk or the shots he was putting on Usyk. That that burned him out. It's all he had left. That was the that was his last chance in that fight. Now the things I didn't like was that Joshua did. He still kind of stood in the middle of the ring. And the flaw with us staying in the middle of the ring, kind of staring at Usyk, is see well, Usyk's movement. Right when you stand and you just look at him, you're allowing him to move all over the place. You're giving him endless possibilities of where he can move. He can move to your left, to your right, back, forward, at an angle. He's at that point, he's a queen on the chessboard. He can do whatever he wants. He can move wherever he wants. Now, if Joshua takes a step back, this limits the direction that Usik can move because Usik's going to have to come towards you. So he's either going to come straight towards you or he's going to come at an angle. He's going to come straight towards you from your right side or straight towards you from the left side. But you're going to be able to see where that movement is, right? So you're eliminating his possibilities. Now, if you go towards him, he's got to move backwards or around you. Right, You're eliminating the possibilities, right? So that eliminates possibilities of punches or the possibilities of where he's trying to place you for a punch or possibilities of where he's going to faint. You eliminate those things when you're either moving forward or backwards with Usyk. But when you stand around, you're just allowing him the open chessboard to do whatever the hell he wants. And that's what he did. He allowed an open chessboard and Usyk to be as creative as he wanted to be with his movement as... Uh, Fluid. he wanted to be with his punches, do whatever he wanted, timing, setup up shots, uh, set up openings. That's what Joshua did, and that was a big, big mistake in my part. I thought he had to either be moving forward or moving backwards. He had to make Usyk uh, get on the move, or make him earn the space or make him uh, be defensive and get out of an area. Joshua didn't do that at times. Now, that could have been a cardio thing where he's like, I don't have the cardio to be moving my legs back and forth like that, it gets, especially against gets a guy like Usyk. I know there was a lot of comparisons of people saying, uh, when I said the strategy of like moving backwards, I think people thought, like, oh, he's going to fight like the Andy Ruiz fight. That's not what I was saying. He's going to fight like the Andy Ruiz fight. Now, that was just showing me that maybe Joshua could do something like that, right? That it's him moving backwards and fighting, taking a step backwards and fighting, isn't uh, something that's unknown to him. He's done it before. It would have to be in a different way against to to Usyk. But the reason why he couldn't fight like that, he could fight like that against Andy Ruiz, but not like Usyk, right? Where he could just move around and think, it's because. He's able to box at that level with Andy Ruiz because Andy Ruiz is not skilled enough to close the gap, right? So you could be a lesser boxer and still outbox Andy Ruiz and win on your back foot like that. No, but what Joshua needed to do was take a step back, one step back and make Usa cover that ground. And if he's going to score a points on you, he has to put himself in danger with you being set. That's what Joshua needed to do. And then if he wasn't doing that, he needed to jab his way in, right? And not... Um, like a bum rush or a bull rush, whatever you, term you want to use, not like that because he does that. You just kind of open yourself to Usyk, and you, Usyk is way too skilled to just be fooled by like an amateur technique like that. It's just, it's just not going to happen, right? You get, and, and you know that his shots mean something to Joshua. It's not like he doesn't have any power. to way he does. All the shots kept Josh, could keep Joshua honest. So he couldn't do that, but he could step forward with a jab, step forward with a one-two, and get Usyk off his spot and make Usyk move around the ring, and you are coming forward with your momentum. But you couldn't stop in the middle. When he stopped in the middle, I thought that that he was really in trouble. Another thing, too, is he still kind of was trying to do his head movement his upper body movement and getting kind of low with it. It was at at points I seen that it was like, okay, there, there was things that were working positive from it, but I still think that that was reacting too much to what Usyk was doing. And that was taken away from Joshua being able to uh, make Usyk pay when he stepped in. I thought that that would kind of just allow Usyk to get in because you're in a position where you're moving, but you can't really work off of it. Now we've seen the Joshua, the body shots were very effective and he didn't do it consistently in the fight, but when he did put the body shots in, um, you just seen the success he had, but it's just like I said. If you couldn't get, he had it all was in the round where he hurt Usyk to the body to get him out of there. He couldn't get him out of there, and that was the end of the fight. Usyk is a very skilled fighter. He's very comfortable at this weight now. Like he's really settled in at this weight. You could see he could take power, right? He's taking at Joshua's big shots. He's a heavyweight. He's not a guy. He's no longer a cruiserweight going to heavyweight. No, he's a heavyweight, and he's a legit heavyweight, and he's possibly the most skilled heavyweight. And now we have to see if he's going to fight Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, who's retired, unretired, fighting Nagano, fighting Chizora, fighting uh, the guy from um, Game of Thrones. He's fighting everyone, right? Besides, you know, real fights. I imagine, and like I just how I predicted that that night, Tyson Fury would come out and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to fight this guy. That's exactly what he did because Tyson Fury's not really retired. He's definitely going to take this fight. It's definitely going to be for a lot of money. It's definitely going to be in... Saudi Arabia or Dubai or one of those areas and I honestly want to see it because I right now I'm leaning towards uh Tyson Fury just because I seen what the bodywork did do to Usyk and that's exactly what Fury was saying going into this fight he showed an example of him hitting his trainer in the body and saying that Usyk wouldn't be able to withstand that now Usyk if for the one thing he showed right is that those body shots did have effect on him and Tyson Fury is to me uh a, a little bit looser than Joshua. Like, not, not, not a, a lot looser Joshua, I think, with his with his offense. And I also think that Tyson Fury could kind of match Usyk with athleticism. Now, maybe not 100% like what Usyk could do. No, of course not. But he's moves pretty good for a big man. And I think Usyk fighting a big man that can move like that might be a lot of trouble for him. I really want to see this fight. I'm very interested in this fight. And if, for some reason, Fury doesn't make this fight, Fury doesn't want to fight or come out of retirement. And the WBC... Decides to, and I know people were saying, you can't do that. WBC can do whatever the hell they want because that's what the sanctioned bodies do. And the WBC is a sanctioned body. So they'll do whatever they want. But if they give the belt and put on the line against Deontay Wilder versus Helenas. And Deontay Wilder wins that. I love seeing Usyk versus Deontay Wilder. I think that's a great matchup. It'll be a um, it'll be a tightrope walk for Usyk if he, if he can avoid that massive right hand the whole fight and I think it'll be very interesting and give Johnson Walder this uh, massive chance that I don't think a lot of people saw coming, right, that he could fight for the undisputed heavyweight title. So those are the possibilities after this. I still think in a in a fantastic spot. I still think he's a very skilled fighter. It wasn't like he got uh, knocked out or stopped or anything like that. He just lost a boxing match. He got all skilled. Um, and, you know, he was able to keep up at certain points, but... That second half of him just—it was never—he was never going to be able to pull that off because he was always going to dip in the second half of the fight. But against these other guys, you know, there's not a lot of guys that could do what Usyk could do. And I still think he's very interesting matchup for Fury. Still think he's a very interesting matchup for Wilder. I would wish they would make that fight. I wish they could sign that—you know—the next fight uh, for Joshua. I think that's an amazing fight. I think there's a lot of money behind it. A lot of money for him to fight Fury still. But I really believe that. There's joshua's a star and fury's a star where they fight each other there's gonna be a lot of money wilder's a star joshua's a star they fight each other, there's gonna be a lot of money there's still interesting guys like joe joyce uh frank sanchez i mean there's still guys that jared Anderson's coming up there's still a lot of guys in the heavyweight division that joshua's gonna be able to fight besides Usyk, right usick might is just you know might be his kryptonite but the other guys he might be able to beat and still rack up all these wins and add to his legacy and these notable names so we're going to see how it plays out. But the heavyweight division is, to me, in a very good spot. Now, Usyk said he only has only wants one fight left against Tyson Fury. If that's the case, I mean, I just hope it happens. I think that um, just the matchup alone would just be very interesting to see the way it plays out and just see how everybody kind of sees it going into the fight and what we learn going out of it. I did want to talk about the undercard. Um, we can start off with Urgovic versus Zhang. And a fight that, I've got to tell you, Zhang's a lot better than I ever thought he was. That's sometimes you just miss on a fighter. I did not see it was Zang. I think the fight where he almost you know, uh, collapsed in the ring kind of I thought, showed me what level he was at, and it, he was kind of just you know, very limited, very limited at points. I did not see what he showed in this fight. I never saw that, I never thought he had that in him, but he he showed a lot of good things in this fight. He has a lot of power, a lot more skill than I thought. Now, Urgovic uh, definitely. At points, looked like he was about to give in. Looked like he was uh, in a lot of trouble. You know what? I didn't pull up the Usyk. Uh, I gotta pull that up out of respect. Um, it definitely uh, looked like he was in trouble, and his, just his demeanor alone looked like he was almost like, like he was almost like if he was gonna mail it in, like just like, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call it a day. It's honestly what his face looked like to me. And the shots he were landing were big. And Zhang, the one thing I knew for sure is he hits really hard. And when he the shots he was landing clean on Ergovic, I mean, they, they, I'm really surprised Ergovic stood up to them. But Ergovic worked his way through it. And in the second half of the fight, he started looking real loose. And he was fighting in a style that he doesn't usually fight. And it's probably not a style he's really comfortable with, like boxing like that, moving around the ring like that. But he would got his opportunity when he started seeing Zhang slow down, and he started working. And he worked his way back into the fight, and in the second half, I thought he took control of the fight uh, to seal the victory. But it was a very good, very close fight, competitive fight. It's just that uh, Zhang did wasn't the energy dip that I had seen before, but it was still an energy dip. And Urgevich had survived the early on uh, her the early damage that was taken, and he was able to withstand that. And he worked, and he worked his way through. In the second half of the fight, he really put it on Zhang and. Box when he needed to move around, when he needed to, and that's not Ergovist style. Like, the really rich had to pull that out, but that wasn't something that he, I guarantee he wasn't working to fight like that. In the fight, he wasn't that wasn't a plan, it wasn't a strategy, it was not sparring like that to say, like, oh, he's gonna dance, uh, dance around and pick his spots and walk Zang into stuff. He had to pull that out, and to me, that showed that Urgevich to me has uh some better qualities to him and just shows maybe he's a little more wide range of a fighter. I don't think he's gonna win elite guys doing that style, but. He could pull out some things and maybe, you know, win him a round or two or survive at some points. He has those uh tools in his bag. Now, Zayn, I think, is still a very interesting fighter, especially fights like that. And they we talking about Chazora. I love that fight. I love that Chazora is kind of just like, you know, whatever fights semi-interesting will ha- make it happen. Chisora kind of like, honestly, he's like, he's just an attraction at this point. He's not really a credible heavyweight. He's just, hey, this fight this guy's kind of a decent name. I'm kind of a decent name. This is make it happen. I love stuff like that in boxing. Zang versus Chisora. Let's make it happen. I'm all for it. Smith versus um, Barlike. I don't remember how they say his name. I was going to call him Botter. Smith versus Botter. I thought, uh, like I said, Barlike, I actually didn't break this fight down, but I was, when I watched it, well, one thing is Botterlike. if he gets to be able to set his range, right, if you let he lets he allow him to set his feet and pick his spots he's a very effective fighter and a lot of times in boxing a guy like uh like Barlique, you you would uh you see the spots where he's weak at and you would assume like oh okay well if a guy just does that you know this guy's no good right he's he, the, what Smith was able to do to him was push him back and take him off his spot so you automatically think oh Barlick is no good that's a huge weakness right but a lot of guys can't really you know that just depends can you take him off his spot a lot of times in boxing a guy only has one spot where he could be good at and a lot of times uh a guy is very good but he only has that one spot but he's able to get to that spot right he has skills to get to that spot he's skills to keep the at that spot now Barlick when well, I told you when he gets set his feet and does that he's very good but he doesn't have the skills to keep it there and not at the level of Smith is now when him and Smith were picking spots and staring at each other and, you know, trying to uh, a little chess match in the middle of the ring, I thought he was kind of honestly doing, do, getting the better of it. I wasn't surprised by that, but I knew that Smith had more to his game and I knew that Smith could push him back or walk him into stuff or draw him, out. you know, like he was just, he had more uh, abilities in the ring. He was more comfortable in different areas of the ring. And when Smith just started pushing him back, had to adjust his feet, and he couldn't adjust his feet fast enough to be effective. And Smith just really put it on him, and you can see Smith's power is really carrying 275 pounds. Um, this is a win that's going to age better for Canelo. I, I, I'm sure people brought that up, but I just I was just thinking about that because Smith had such a bad performance against Canelo that I think people were just like, "Oh, he was trash," and we just people overrated him. I think that he's going to get some decent wins at 175. Now, I think better Vip is possibly like the worst matchup for him but it's also interesting because better bill is going to give smith what he wants so it's like it's the worst matchup because smith's kind of hittable he's kind of come forward style and that's what better wants but Ben-A-B, to be fair smith wants someone that's not going to try to run away that's going to be in his punching range and he's going to be able to land his power on. And that's a bit of offer. So it has to make it to be a very good fight. I don't know if Smith holds up within the power of better Biff, but if he does, if he has a fight, he's, he's able to hold up to the power, and it could be a very, very interesting fight, very good fight. And I wouldn't mind seeing it. I think that's a very tough matchup for Smith, though. I do think that if they could match him up with Buazi, I think that's an excellent fight. And I think a much better matchup for Buazi than, you know, Bavo. Or, uh which they were trying to make, right? And I think they're going to go with Watsi versus Pascal. But if Watsi gets past Pascal, I think Smith is a a, a very, very good fight. Or the winner of Zertel versus Bevole fight Smith. It's also there, too. So, there's fight starting to pick up a little bit. And guys are starting to be on the right side of the street to make these interesting matchups. Especially if we get Zertl-Bavol. uh Bevole. Modern Jack fought uh, Rivera. Rivera, I, I'm not too high on, but bottle jack look you know his age definitely showed it It was a bottle jack fight he struggles early pulls it out late and i the one thing i do want to use as an example and i've had this argument with people is older fighters right uh when they get when fighters get older a lot of times you assume that they're going to gas late but to me from my experience of watching fighting or just even seeing sparring and all that a lot of times older fighters take a little little time to start up like an old car right got to warm up and that's what kind of what Butterjack Jack did. And he's a notorious little starter throughout his career, even in his prime. But especially in this fight, I noticed it, it took him some time to start warming up. He was getting hit with shots. He couldn't get this timing down. And once he started warming up, being the older fighter that he is, an experienced fighter, he was able to put it on Rivera. And once he did that, I thought he he won, uh, took the fight over and won it comfortably. Uh, in my, I didn't think, I thought it was a competitive fight uh, more early than it was late, but Botter Jack uses experience and his, uh, Technical ability to win this fight. Okay, let's go to the next card. We got Figueroa Jr. versus Lipinets. I'm not going to spend too long talking about that fight. It went exactly how I imagined that fight would go. uh I told you it was a bad matchup. For Figueroa Jr. He, him versus Broner was a much better matchup for him, uh style wise, uh ability wise, what he has left in the gas tank. But to me, Figueroa Jr. does not have anything left. I think he's done as a fighter. I think the beating that he took in the ring. Uh, wasn't necessary for as long as it was, but I knew that Lippinetz was a lot fresher. I knew Lippinetz is uh, really a problem at 140 pounds. He should have been there his whole career. And now they got him back where he needs to be. He looks very good, really fresh, and dangerous. And Figueroa ran into a buzzsaw in that fight. And I hope Figueroa is done fighting. And I know it's a tough thing to say because that's how these guys earn their living. Figueroa, though, I know um, when he first started boxing, it was like in, in college and everything like that. I think he has interest outside the ring that and i think he's a very smart guy but i just don't think he needs to take the damage anymore his body cannot do it anymore let's go to the undercard which i think was very interesting poylo versus akhmedov and akhmedov who had the controversial loss against mario barrios kind of has a similar fight against poylo but i think he's much more active in this fight and gets to it a lot earlier poylo like i said was able to pick his spots when he's able to stand in front of you and pick his spots he's very effective he has a good variety of punches uh, kind of flashy with the shots augmentoff is more of a forward pressure guy more like thudding shots not really a, a beautiful game but an effective one effective one I did think it was going to be very interesting because off the trouble I seen him have with bars was they had the front foot right and a lot of times I always feel that when a guy's sell paul and orthodox the guy moving backwards has the advantage to me because the guy moving forward constantly has to watch where that forward foot is right the guy moving backwards gets to place his forefoot foot where he wants it it's almost like a like a barrier around him, right? I've not wasn't going to have that problem in this fight. And Puelo, to me, doesn't move effectively, at least, right? And I had this argument on Twitter about, oh, no, Puelo moves. We've seen in these other fights, maybe he moved against lesser competition. But at a higher level, what I've seen him fight the PBC, he doesn't move, right? He doesn't move effectively. He may move, but he doesn't move effectively. And you could put him wherever you want. And I've met, I'll put him against the ropes, because that's where you can put him wherever you want. He's going to go where he wants. And he has a problem of when he's on the inside, he crouches in, he gets to an awkward position. And he allows you to work. Ahmedov I I got to work. The problem is, I think, when with the judges we're seeing, is Pueblo's shots are just flashier. They just look cleaner when he lands and he's landing headshots. Ahmedov's landing body shots. And you got to understand the judges' psychology is they're just not going to count. If you land a, a hard headshot and a guy lands a hard body shot, the hard headshot's going to win in the judges' mind. That's more effective. That's the winning blow. And I met, I've never... He's working to the body, but the body you have to understand, and it's it's maybe not fair, but this is just the psychology of boxing and the scoring of how it happens. The body is a means to the end, a means to an end, right? The body is to break down an opponent until so you can start putting it on him and maybe to bring bring down his guard so you can get headshots. But the body is has to start flowing to either stop a fighter or to work your way up to start landing headshots. Akhmedo's landing good body shots, he's landing good headshots, but he just never. The body work never really led to what it needed to, where it broke down Pueblo, or you just started doing damage on on with headshots as well. And if you're going head the headshots to body shots, the headshots are always gonna win. I think the cards were very wide, but remember too, every round is kind of close, right? So if every round is kind of close and every round could be a swing round, well, that doesn't mean that 17-11 is saying this fight wasn't uh competitive, it's just saying that in all the close rounds they were seeing it for one guy. If you have eight swing rounds, right? Then one guy can have the score very close. And one guy can have the score as a complete shutout. As long as every swing round, he goes for one guy and the other guy's mixing up all the swing rounds. So a lot of times the score, when it's wide margin like that, you think, Oh, well, that's not right. Cause that's not the fight. I saw the fight. I saw was competitive. Well, every round was competitive. Then That means you could see it every round for one guy. Then it could be a wide score. These are just, to me, common things were like people complain and say oh, all these things about the score. I'm not saying this was a, uh, a good scorecard. I thought it was a close fight. I thought could have won either way. It going to Pueblo wasn't like outrageous to me, but it wasn't a fight that I was exactly like scoring every round in great detail. I wasn't. I did do it for the Garcia Gutierrez fight, which is a fight that didn't need me scoring every round in great detail. But this was a fight that uh, Pueblo, oh, which is a no, uh, Dominican fighter won the world title in pueblo and then garcia was a dominican fighter and he ends up winning the world title in this fight so that was two dominican fighters winning world titles and not even like the bs titles like these are legit world titles um whether you think any are legit you you guys know my opinion on that but garcia versus gutierrez went exactly to me all these fight kind of went exactly how i said but uh gutierrez to me Every other step up fight he's had, he's come up short against, except against the aging Felix Alvarado. Now, Garcia it was, it has always been skilled. And when Chris Colbert fought him with the worst strategy ever and then tried to adjust, Garcia was too good for that. And Chris Colbert really misjudged the level of opponent he was fighting. I knew that Garcia would be able to really have his way against Gutierrez, and Gutierrez wouldn't be able to earn the position he needs to have success. Interesting point about this fight, though, is that Garcia, later in the fight, goes and, you know, starts giving Gutierrez the range he needs and starts moving towards Gutierrez's right hand. And Gutierrez starts being effective. And everyone's saying, well, why did he take so long to get started? He didn't take so long to get started. That wasn't what he was doing. Garcia started giving him the range he needed to get started. When Garcia was on top of his game, he took away everything. There was no possibility for Gutierrez to do anything. It wasn't, oh, he's holding back. No, no, he's not holding back. He can't find his range. He can't get a comfortable range. When you can't find a range, it's not like you're just punching in the air. You're not going to just punch in the air. Okay, It's a mental thing. I can't find my range. I can't get close to get the shot. I can't get the shot off. You're you're not gonna throw punches. It's just not. It's just it's a mental thing. Where he, what are you gonna throw punches at the air? He knows his range. He knows that those shots ain't gonna, ain't there for him. So whether you think oh you just gotta go in there and throw punches, he knows what's there and he knows what he's gonna get back when he's there. That's what Gutierrez knew the whole night. It's not there. Those these shots aren't there. As soon as Garcia started moving the wrong way and staying in that range for a long time. That's when he started getting to work. And I said that. I said that Garcia will make this fight, fight, could make this fight harder on himself because he has a habit of doing that. He has a habit of getting in the scraps that he doesn't need to. This is one of those situations. And he took damage that he didn't need to. And someone needs to get him in his corner and say, hey, and if I like that, when we're dominating like that, let's just stay dominating. And boxing is a very brutal sport. And if you keep taking damage, unnecessary one, you're going to have a short career or a short prime. That's what Garcia did in that fight. He took unnecessary damage. They didn't need to. Look good. I want to see him versus Chris Colbert again. I think that's a much different looking fight when they fight again. Brandon Lee fought uh Madeira. Madeira drops Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee looks very, very shaky to me as a prospect due to this fight. I just think that um he has some he has some flaws, and I don't think he has an enough natural gifts to like really separate him. From everyone else, and I I think he has power, but not like elite power. So it's gonna be one of those things where it's like, how dedicated is he to the sport, and how dedicated is he to his technique, and how dedicated is he to eliminating these weaknesses that he has or these bad habits as far as like putting his hand down after his jab or jabbing to the head and body, but staying at the same range so the guy could just punch in between it, those things like that. That's that's gonna be really it's it's gonna take a he's gonna be a perfectionist to have like success at an elite level. That's that's, what Lee is, that's what's going to take from Lee So we're going to see what he has Because what he's offering right now Is just not at One step higher he's going to have a lot of trouble Navarrete Be uh, um, Bias by body shot Now Navarrete Was getting kind of tagged up early in that fight it was a co- uh, competitive fight Navarrete kind of has that style um, I'm sure he kind of has the thing too Where he kind of does To me in my opinion This is what I'm seeing from him he knows he's going to break down his opponent. He doesn't mind getting hit. I also think that he kind of takes these guys kind of lightly when they're not uh, feel at his level. I still think that he is very, very um limited with his, like, movement. And I think that if a guy can really box, he could be in a lot of trouble, like, as far as finding the shots he wants. But when you find these guys that are going to stay there in front of him, his offense is, is pretty special. And where he places his shots is pretty special. He's probably going to get you out of there. I still want to, you know, I still think he's one of the best guys at 126. I think going to 130, I don't know if that's going to be successful for him. I really don't know if he's going to be able to have success that way. He should probably just stay at 126 to just keep cleaning it out. But like I said, if he goes to 130 to fight Shakur Stevenson, it's a good payday, then I can't blame him. But I can't see him winning that fight. And I think honestly, if he fought Gary Russell at 126, he would have a lot of trouble. I would love to see him fight a guy like uh, Ray Vargas. I would love to see him fight, uh, Who's the guy that Ray Vargas just be? I can't think of his name right now. I would love to see him fight. I need a oh, Brandon Figueroa, right? Or um, I can't think of the guy that. that's going to bother me no matter what. I really, I love to see him fight all these guys at 126. I just think the guy like Garrett Russell would be a lot of trouble because he can box and he's uh quick feet. And I just think that he, I think the number that could be countered really bad. I think he makes a lot of mistakes with his legs. And not saying that, you know, that you, you can't do things differently. But I just think that the way he moves his legs would be really capitalized against a guy like uh, Gary Russell. So I, I would still, to me, I think Gary Russell is the best 126er in the world still. And I understand he took a loss because he hurt his arm. But I'm just not seeing anything that says all oh, these guys are above him. I think Ray Vargas is very interesting. I think now right, that Ray Vargas match up well, I think Ray Vargas also matches up interesting with Gary Russell. It's funny how boxing works. Thank you guys for listening. it has been the Ezra podcast. Please. uh. Leave a review, leave a like, subscribe, all those good things. Like I said, I, I, my numbers are they're slowly going up, subscribers, all that, but it's very slow. I'm not um, going to stop doing this. So I understand this consistency. I know you guys want to listen. If you guys listen to podcasts, you want to make sure it's going to keep coming on, and not just listen to one random one and then it just disappears. I'm going to bring consistently. But like I said, uh, follow me on YouTube as Rob um, podcast, Sp- Spotify iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh, Twitter as Rob Boxing, TikTok as Rob Boxing. Thank you guys.